Hey everybody, I'm Micah Rich. And I'm Olivia Kane. Welcome back to the Weekly Typographic. A podcast where we discuss our favorite type and design news from the week. Ooh. All right. Uh, so I have to say we had to miss last week. Uh, and so, A, I'm excited to be back. Yes. Um, and B, thank you for everybody for understanding. We, you know, we had some personal, well, I had some personal stuff going on and we had to skip both the newsletter and the podcast. And so it's kind of nice to come back uh, and get to chat with you again, Olivia, and see the awesome stuff that we have been collecting all week. Because there's some really cool I know. stuff. We've been collecting for two weeks. Good stuff. It means that just the quality of our links are just that much higher, everybody. <laughs> and we have a good <laughs> variety this week. There's like some cool stuff to talk about, some stuff yeah. that has happened on the social medias, some yeah. design-related links, some font-related links, all kinds Loving of schnaz. I know. I'm really excited to dive in deep. Um, happy March, everybody. We've now been recording this podcast for five months. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. Is that true? Right? We started November. Wow. How cool. And we started like a week after you were saying, how would we just record a podcast? <laughs> we just did it. Loving it. That's awesome. That's great. Yeah, we were we were promoting the new website and the class becoming um, the class registration becoming live. Remember, mm. which the class is still going on, by the way. Uh, you know, we haven't really talked about it in a little bit, but yeah, uh, I am just so impressed by the yeah? people. How like the people, the students in the class are just killing it. I mean, <sighs> at this point, you know, we're we're a little over halfway through. Wow! Um, yeah. And so we like covered a bunch of the free stuff and covered like the basics of lowercase and drawing and Mm -hmm. uh, started getting into uppercase. And at this point, you know, we're like getting much more into uppercase and it's just like we're about to get into numerals and punctuation and stuff. It's just it's just mind blowing. Like there's a, a very wide variety of types of fonts that people are making. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there's there's a couple people who are, like, a few letters behind where we are each week in the live course, which is totally mm-hmm. understandable and fine. And then the next week, uh, they've done, like, even, even more than we thought that they were going to do. And they post their work. And everybody's, like, commenting on everybody else's work. And we're, like, critiquing stuff. It's just – it's super cool. That's so good. That yeah. makes me so happy. You've built a community. I'm excited oh, to see what the future of this can be. I know. There's a big, like, wide future ahead of us, and it's going to be great and full of awesome type design. So, um, speaking of the future of type. Uh, oh, <laughs> good this, transition. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. So do you want to intro this first one that we want to talk about today? Yes, everyone. The future is here. <laughs> <laughs> I've been thinking about that line on the train. <laughs> um, future fonts. <laughs> it's here. Um, we, we should talk about what actually, that is because it's super interesting. Super interesting. Um, we linked to their kind of... Um, introduction article that they put out a few months ago in the newsletter and now it's finally here so it was kind of hyped for a little bit um and it's some very exciting stuff so it's basically 
a place for type designers to put out um, early versions of their type designs. And designers can purchase these early fonts at a highly discounted rate. And then they get all the updates to the fonts for free. So it's like early investing in some really cool designs to help kind of propel these designs forward and motivate type designer type designers. And um and that way you get the benefits of getting like the final product without having to pay the hefty chunk of change. It's it's cool. I I think Everybody that I follow on the internet was super excited about this. Yeah. And uh, for for a while, you know, they had that kind of landing page that was very ambiguous, like, hey, we're starting this new thing. You know, put in your email or follow us to figure out what it is when we launch it, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then when it launched, I remember you, you posted it and, you know, the the – headline to describe what the thing is is where type designers sell interesting work in progress and i was like what i had that idea five minutes ago like just before i found out what it is i was like wouldn't it be so cool if you could see updates of type designers working on the fonts as they work on it yeah and this is exactly what they did but with the added very interesting element of it's almost like a Kickstarter, but not quite. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like being able to pay the designer to work on it. Like type design has always been a really crazy endeavor for mm-hmm. money, for business. The business of it is like put in a ton of investment and pain and work mm-hmm. and sweat and detail and then hope that people buy it. And that's part of why the prices, to some extent, are outrageous with some fonts is because it just takes so much work ahead of time to get that done Mm -hmm. that, like, if it doesn't succeed, you know, you're going to be eating ramen for the rest of your life. (laughs) And so this is neat because it's like, I don't know, it's like encouraging uh, type designers to be able to afford to keep working on a thing. I yeah, completely. And I just think it's kind of awesome because it's this transparency um that the designer gets with the type designer. Um kind of like that doesn't really happen anywhere. I mean, you think of foundries and foundries are a lot most of them, um a typical one, let's say like one of the big guys like Heffler or something, they have their fonts and they're just showcasing them and their beauty. But, but like you don't know anything about process besides maybe like a two minute video that they put up with their font to sell it um and on this site on future fonts when you go to their type page below you actually see all the characteristics that makes a font a good font basically and they will rate how far along they are in that process so they will show you family styles if they only have one family style the bar will be low but Um, The takeaway from that is that their drawing quality is really high and they're probably not going to be changing any of their Bezier curves that much from there. But maybe they're not that far in kerning, so that's a low bar. But maybe their open type features are really good at this stage and that bar can go higher. So you can assess assess how 
how robust the font is before you purchase it. Um, but then, I mean, by the end, all those bars get filled, which is extremely satisfying. Yeah. I, there's so much that I want to steal from this conceptually. Yeah. You know, like, totally. I, I think a lot of these updates and details are manual, if I had to guess. You know, I don't think they're, like, mm-hmm. analyzing the font and coming up with these ratings. I think it's mm-hmm. probably the designer saying, eh, I'm, like, three out of five on this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's, like, a version history. There are version numbers. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just, like, it's uh, you know, one of the founding ideas with the leak was how similar type design and design in general, but specifically type design is to software development Mm -hmm. and software development have like had these, had these ideas for forever. And Mm -hmm. I'm just so impressed by like applying these to type design. It's genius. No, I think it's, it's so good. And, um, these fonts are so affordable. Yeah. They're so affordable. It's like, $10, $10, like instead of buying lunch, buy font and you'll see it through to the end for the most part. I mean, that's not a guarantee, but they're pretty acclaimed type designers working on this stuff. And something that I really like is a lot of these fonts are super funky, super weird, um, extremely display typeface imaginative. And, you know, I would have a hard time like shelling out $100 for a font that you might not use that much. But you can just pay $9 for this crazy funky font. <laughs> and, you know, it might not have the absolute complete character set, but um, definitely usable. <laughs> yeah. So the so. thing that I am also finding really interesting about this is that, at least from the way that they describe it, it sounds like you have to be considered to be on this. You know, it's like a yes. curated collection, mm-hmm. which I completely understand. You know, the league is also a curated collection. Um, mm-hmm. But I I just, I don't know. I just love these ideas. I mean, A, that's that's kind of great because uh, the people who made this know what they're doing. And mm-hmm. I'm sure are, uh, you know, have good taste in picking who they think should be on this and who wants to be on this. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's almost like anything that is on this. You know, there's a base level of quality that we can count on because of that. And I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. If you actually look um, at their kind of join us page, they give you a link to submit your work if you think that um, you want to serve it up on here. And they do eventually want to open up to a wider audience, but they're, they said they're being very selective in early stages, kind of probably just to get the ball rolling and to yeah. keep in mind that they want a fairly consistent outcome. Um, before they kind of let in a wider audience, which I, which I totally get. I mean, these designers are not obligated to finish the type. Mm. Um, they likely will because they have been so curated at this point with the group they have now. But I understand not wanting to open up too wide um, and kind of still keep a reputation for giving people what they say they're going to give people. Yeah. Um, super interesting. Like, such a cool project. So cool. Yeah. So had to share. Very excited about future fonts. We got to talk more about how we can apply some of these to the league because it's just a perfect fit. I know. Yeah. I, I love that bar um, that kind of gives you the rating of like how far along the typeface is and like yeah. how quality certain aspects are. I think that's genius. All right. So that is an awesome thing. Yes. What next awesome thing. What the heck thing. is up next? Yeah. Uh, 
Font Review Journal is back, everybody. Ooh. I'm so excited. Bethany Heck took a little bit of a break, uh, which I personally encouraged on Twitter. <laughs> you know, <laughs> she was basically like, "Hey, I, I, I really need to take a break. Is everybody okay with that?" And I was like, "That's a great idea. Do that." And yeah. I saw too. In the meantime, she took a job as like head of design at, at Medium or something like that. I think. Wow. So yeah. I think she was. Well, probably, she puts. You know. Doing um, a lot of stuff. Oh, 1,000%. She puts 27 hours roughly a week into this font review journal. <laughs> That's so nuts. That's like, like a, a job. A part-time job, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yes, I loved the one that came out this week. It is a wonderful brush script called Quick Marker Brush. Well, and I think it's Quick Brush and Quick Marker. Yes, my brain right now. <laughs> quick brush and quick marker. Or is it quick brush and marker? Uh, no, I, I'm pretty sure it's quick marker and quick brush. It's it's okay. a, like the family is quick. Okay. Okay, I swear I'm still with us. <laughs> yes, it's I a mean, quick she family. refers to it like multiple different ways in the article. Uh, yes. Okay, that's probably why I was confused. Right. Yeah, I think it's just her kind of uh, contracting, to, you know, yes. to not have to repeat herself so many times. Okay, that makes sense. Um. Anyways, I did actually read this article, contrary to what I sound like, um, <laughs> and <laughs> it was really good. First of all, Bethany Heck, shoot, can she write about fonts? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, oh my God, I'm just going to read just a small segment. Bear with me, everybody. But it's so lovely and it's it sounds like beautiful prose about fonts and makes you just that much more excited about them. But in the first paragraph, she's describing this font. And she says, I find confident, unique designs like quick brush and marker to be intoxicating. I ache to have an excuse to use them. It's impossible to use these fonts in a neutral way. The ways to deploy typefaces like these might be limited, but when they sing, boy, do they belt. <laughs> that is so beautiful. Good. Right? That's beautiful. Um, so not only is that like just such an enticing first paragraph, but she makes all these wonderful comparisons to sign painting, to just like really unexpected comparisons to Brazilian graffiti art, um, and shows this font in examples and why certain examples make it look so great, um, what it could be good for, what it wouldn't be good for. Uh, she's just fantastic. It's so in-depth. And she looks at every little, every little detail. It, yeah, it's crazy. It's amazing. And she provides insights that I think are just so important. You know, she talks about this is a script font, but there's not a lot of alternates, so you shouldn't be setting large amount of text in this because your eyes going to get irritated by the repeated um, kind of gestures of the script. But you know, if you want to just set one big block of word, beautifully huge in this, it's going to look great. And so she kind of gives advice for people that want to use it, gives amazing examples of people that have used it and why it's worked, which I just think is, I mean, so important. You know, I have to say, too, like, uh, we always gush about this particular blog. And I looked at the, I don't know if it's really a microsite or if it is just the site of the original font of the designer, mm -hmm. out of the dark dot XYZ. Oh, I see. Uh, yeah. Slash quick. Whoa. And uh, I mean, I I want to praise 
the uh, the designer here because the design of these fonts is beautiful. Frankly, I might buy these fonts and use them myself for a project that I've been thinking of recently. But the yeah, like the font review journal write up of this is like a thousand times more enticing as a sales tool than their totally. website. Totally. <laughs> Which I'm sorry, 100%. you know, it's it's a beautiful font. I'm probably going to buy this font, but because she did this write up, you know? She just how much she cares just always comes through. And I'm not saying that the designer or the designer of the microsite didn't care, but um, you know, she's really given you the type historian point of view, the designer point of view, the type designer point of view. She just kind of sells it from like a very well-rounded perspective. Yeah. So I totally agree. And I think that's so interesting. So great. So awesome. And I think for like one of the first times she um, got like original sketches for Quick Marker from the designer, and she has them in the article, which I think is super cool that yeah. the designer kind of gave them to her to talk about. That is super neat because it was, it was with a literal marker. You can see so much character in the way that they drew it, and how closely yeah. that relates to the way that they drew it on the computer is really impressive. Right. So cool. And I love that she's has these relationships with these designers now and they're kind of speaking to each other. And I don't know, it's just this really wonderful collaboration of like the typography world um, doing great stuff together. For sure. So, All right, so really that's a great one. That. Check that out. You know, the article by Bethany Heck, the font by Philip Herman. Mm-hmm. Both are awesome. awesome. Yeah, so I'm going to let you talk a little bit about the next link we have in here. It yeah. um, strays a little bit from typography, but I found just as fascinating. Yeah, we've kind of been, uh, I think, opening up the the stuff that we've found into things that we know that we all as designers want to learn about. Um, mm-hmm. So when I found this, I was like, this is just a great, quick resource Um it's from UX Collective, which is a medium magazine, if you can call it that. I guess it's really a blog, isn't it? It's a blog. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, it is, I mean, the title is Good to Great UI Animation Tips. Um, and so there's kind of a concept in user interface development of micro interactions, which are ways as you're like doing a tiny action like clicking a button or moving from one page to the other to use animation to to like visually demonstrate what is changing and and in a way i guess let our brains infer why Mm -hmm. and so the thing that i liked about this blog article in particular was uh you know they had what is it five or six a handful of examples um, and the same format of each where it's like on the left, it's like, Hey, this is pretty good. They animate a little bit. And then on, on the right is this would be great is if these things connected to each other and animated this way, it's a very visual introduction to each idea. Yeah. And you kind of get the point just by watching each of these little animations, which is great. Mm-hmm. But then of course, you know, they go into, uh, you know, the author Pablo Stanley, goes into a little bit of detail besides that. 
But it's one of those yeah. things, I, you know, you kind of mentioned this when we were prepping today, but it's like you said, what, five or six years ago or something. Yeah. We kind of didn't really expect that as designers, we would have to care so much about animation. Yeah, exactly. But at least um, in, in just, making interfaces for like apps, whether it's web apps or phone apps or, you know, desktop apps or whatever, it has become a really important part of making an interface make sense. I mean, animation is just a huge part of a designer's role now in a lot of ways. And like, yes, in UI, it's a great example of that being so encompassed in the design. But, you know, I think of you know, any like gifs, moving images, any sort of social media, people are animating that all the time. Um, mm-hmm. And I just think it's really important to just consider it and consider it well and really know why you're making something move the way it is. Um, right. And this kind of opened my eyes to so many things I take for granted when I use UI or an animation in general that I don't even I don't I'm one of the few that actually don't animate anything at the moment at my job. I haven't animated anything in over a year or so, but I I really enjoyed it. <laughs> this article is really enjoyable. I mean, I think the main the main point at least is uh well, there was a, there was a lesson that I learned in uh classes in filmmaking because I initially went to school for filmmaking. Mm-hmm. It was that the, the camera never just moves there always should be a reason that it is moving. That is a good comparison. So I feel like that that is becoming an important lesson to learn as a designer working with digital stuff now is that you can't just have something animate. There has to be like, it has to have a purpose and it has to somehow be useful of why it yes. is moving and how. I support that 100%. And like in the, some of these like really small details, they mentioned this great link and they said, check out the choreography principle in material motion mm. and kind of like comparing the animation of like cascading um, wireframes to choreography. Oh, so cool. That is neat. I kind of missed that one. That's a good reference. I'm so about it. Like, that honestly that made things like just really click in my mind as to you know why things actually look beautiful it's because we can compare it to something we're familiar with Hmm. so you know i will say one thing though that i uh (laughs) my my first reaction after reading this article was like this is a fantastic article super educational it is so much harder to code this than it is to design it really yeah and so i you know i guess I, I doubt that the league will ever get into like sharing articles about how to code probably, but uh, it it's one of those things where like, it's hard enough as a designer to design something. It's even harder to uh, design how a thing moves and even harder, you know, to make it move with purpose and, and be fluid and make sense. Yeah, and it's even harder to make that thing actually function that way in an app. I didn't know that. See, this is really helpful to know. That's that makes sense. I see a lot of designers on Dribble who uh, make beautiful things that you know I would categorize in this good to great comparison as great animations and great designs. And then mm-hmm. I'm like, man, if I had to code that, I would be I would be so frustrated. Oh my gosh. That is so, that's so insightful. I'm so glad I learned that. <laughs> so wow. that's that. Good to great UI uh, animation tips. That's a Real fun good one. stuff. Um, next one, 
super nerdy. We kind of have like we're going back on the font nerdy sector here. Um, but Mirko posted this in our weekly typographic, and I gotta say, it was a super intimidating article. It's a fairly <laughs> long article, and you know. That's that's what that is. But here's the title. The title is The Long, Incredibly Torturous and Fascinating Process of Creating a Chinese Font. <laughs> or Tortuous, not Torturous. Wait, Micah, take a look at this. Yeah, and I think Tortuous is, I mean, it's. I think it's the same idea. Oh, yes. Yeah. Incredibly complicated. I saw torturous, but hey. Okay. I mean, it's uh, technically it's not describing it as torture, but uh, I think the rough idea is the same, which is that it is extremely difficult. Excessively lengthy and complex. There we go. There you go. Wonderful. Um, Anyways, back to the article. So I was very intimidated by this article, but I read it nonetheless because I want to see what I could learn here. And it was super fascinating. Um, I like couldn't stop reading it. It was kind of amazing. It starts at the beginning of time, kind of explaining that, <laughs> you know, <laughs> what? Well, you know, we're talking about what a long article it is. And you're like, yeah, and it starts at the beginning of time. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, but I don't know. It was actually like a good reminder of... Chinese alphabets and or characters in my mind of what I've learned in graphic design history and a really good primer to anyone that doesn't know just how complicated the Chinese language is mm. um, and just very eye-opening to everyone involved about just how how difficult and um, it it is to design a Chinese typeface yeah. it's crazy yeah it, and I always knew it was difficult, but I don't know anyone that designs. I know people that design Latin typefaces, but not Chinese ones. And listen to this. This, I think, really just made my jaw drop. Okay. So a default set for the English language font contains 230 glyphs. And, like, that's the minimum to get onto my fonts. So that's your upper and lower case, your numbers, your symbols. That's where we all start. If you want to do a font that covers all the Latin scripts, which is over 100 languages plus extra symbols, that's 840 fonts. So that's about a little bit less than three times the work. 840 glyphs. Yeah, sorry. okay. So that's a little bit less than three times the work. Okay. To do simplified version of Chinese, <laughs> primarily used in mainland China, it's 7,000 glyphs. Oh, my God. But if you want to do traditional Chinese used in Taiwan and Hong Kong, so if you want to use stuff that's used even in a broader scope, it's over 13,000 glyphs. (laughs) I don't mean to laugh. That is just so intense. It's crazy. It's like a hundredfold as many glyphs as we even think about for a normal font in the English language. It's insane. And that's why they're saying, you know, a person, a designer working alone can use six months to design a font that covers Western languages. But a single Chinese font takes a team of designers at least two years. That's nuts. That's crazy. This is mind-blowing information. No, that is, that is, that is fascinating. 
Right? I was sweating just thinking about just all the work that goes into this. <laughs> Especially and, okay, considering, you know, what we were talking about earlier, too, about, about how a majority of fonts are you put in the work up front and then hope to sell it. You know, to yeah. have like a team oh of people working for two years on something that is at minimum 13,000 different glyphs. I know. It's so my like we could spend a whole podcast just talking. This is it like it just keeps on going. The craziness keeps on going. So if you if anyone that knows even like an inkling about type design, we all know that when you design a Latin alphabet, you can take parts and components of some letters and apply it to other letters. For example, an N can slowly shape into an H and a D can become a P or a B. There's certain things that are grouped together and you can recycle and reuse, you know? Right. Does that make sense? Okay. That's just not at all the case in Chinese characters. (laughs) (laughs) Listen to this. So, you know, one stroke can be, can be kind of switched around and rotated or reflected in Chinese characters, but then And every single character is just a totally different combination that you have to account to make sure that one character doesn't look too bold in weight or too light or one stroke. Once it starts meeting with other strokes, you know, and there's 15 strokes in one character, a vertical stroke is going to look different in nearly every character of the (laughs) alphabet. Yeah. That's not even to mention how similar different characters look. I know. Oh, my God. And just all the nuances, like, even if you, I'm just looking at one of the proofs they have on this site, and some of the verticals and horizontals are monoline, but then some of the things that look more like accents have major weight differentiations, and then that changes within each character to make sure there's an even color. It is mind-boggling. Yeah. <laughs> That's, I, we're we're literally just sitting here boggled. It's crazy. And, you know, there's not a crazy amount of fonts out there that can support Chinese. I don't have a number, but if it shows anyone how much demand there is, Just Font, which is um, a, a foundry, one of these early ones that are popping up trying to dedicate themselves to, you know, expanding this, went to a local crowdfunding site for for $45,000 to create a new font um, for Chinese. And so many people were interested in that. It raised 16 times that. 16 times that. That is almost a million dollars. Yeah. That's how much this is just really $25 million is how much. Wait, what? No, no, no. no, no, no. no, 720,000. Yes, that is correct. Um, (laughs) Sorry, I'm getting really ahead of myself. No, no, that's what you said. Um, But... It's it's crazy. I don't know. I I just have to give people this mind-boggling information. I uh, the article speaks for itself in so many respects. I think when when I first saw this article, I was like, "Oh dear, I don't know if I have the energy to get this deep into it." But he, and I didn't. But hearing some of the details that that come up from later in the article really makes me want to read this. Right? It's just it's fascinating. Not even just to a type designer. I mean, it's on Quartz. It's not you know, design specific news. It's just news. It wasn't even posted recently. I think it was from 2015, actually. Yeah, December 2015. So. Inflation too, then. Yeah. All right. We have to move on because we have three other awesome things to talk about. 
I know, I know. Okay, um, I'll let you mention the next one super fast. Okay, so uh, I obviously forgot where I found this, but it was a cool link to a new uh, Google Chrome plugin, which we have a million of these to see what font, um, you know, what what a font is on a page just by like right clicking on it. I just thought the mm-hmm. the site was really neat. I thought it was a simple functional version of this where you right click and in the menu it gives you all the details that you want um Mm -hmm. and if you click on it it copies it so you can do a quick search it's also open source which is just really cool um and it's brand new so it's just neat i was about it um i mean i'm always using plugins that will tell me what fonts are and this one tells you the font the color and the weight and the size yeah the the size and the letting Oh, yeah, you're right. That's really nice. Super helpful. And just the website's fun. It's I I don't see much like this, but like there's like a big uh, eyeball that follows your mouse around kind of jokingly. I was into it. Very cool. Um, So are you ready to move on to the next one or anything else? Oh, my gosh. I'm so ready. This looks amazing. I'm so excited about this. Oh, my God. I was excited about it when I found it. I reread it today. Just as excited. Okay. Um, a pocket guide to master everyday's typographic adventures. What a fun way to put typography into a position of excitement. Typographic this is, adventures. This is beautiful. It's super nice. Um, it's wonderfully divided into all the nitty gritty typographic details that will really take your type from good to great and expert level basically um they answer some age-old questions like what is a font and what is a typeface they give you two different explanations for that um and they go into mixing typefaces and basic stuff like that and then other things that just everyone needs to be reminded about how typographers quotes are different than the quotes that are kind of automatically placed on your keyboard and how to access correct curly quotes and what are dumb quotes you will learn these things it's just it's super approachable. It's it's very much in the vein of the link that we shared a long time ago from Jessica Hish and her husband. What's his name? I forget. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, but uh, it's just like this super approachable, uh, simple beginner intro to all of the things that you want to get started with. It's just yeah, it's cute definitely. looking, but not kitschy it's it's educational i love it i love it so so much they actually link to jessica hish's website quotes and accents.com to help you learn what are the different kinds of quotes and dashes and accents oh that's awesome i so, so I, I looked at who made this this is from 2013 which is crazy because wow. i've never heard of it before um yeah and it just arrived on my feed, but still it's, useful. It's also made by a husband and wife combo. Benedict yeah. Leonard, who I'm reading, is the director of product design at Outlook at Microsoft. Oh, cool. And Kat Noon, who I follow on Twitter and have still never seen this. Uh, wow. Who, uh, you know, has a has a company called Iris App and, you know, is a designer and uh, according to a Twitter lover of s'mores. Cool. All good things. So this is this is just really awesome. This is great. Everybody's going to love this. 
Yeah. And so we had to neat, share. you can buy uh, an, an ebook guide, uh, uh, an ebook version of this to take mm-hmm. with you if you want to take it with you. And cute posters. I love posters. So fun. Oh my God. Great posters. I'm into it. I love this. This is fantastic. Me too. All right. Last but not least, I'm going to give you the floor. Yeah. So this actually happened this morning. Uh, mm-hmm. And I just wanted, or I guess it, it happened yesterday, but I responded this morning because sometimes a little slow with email and Twitter. Um, yeah. But uh, this guy named Christian Bionyard, I think is how you would pronounce that. Apologies if not. Uh, tweeted at the league saying, with with these questions, he said, why open source? What have you found conceptually, ethically, whatever, that makes FLOSS, uh, which is a, an acronym for open source, um, better than proprietary? Is it useful to get issue slash bug reports from the community? Have community members contributed design fixes or new characters slash glyphs to projects? And I... I mean, I, I loved getting this tweet because, you know, we redesigned the site recently and the old site had been around so long that I was like, ah, shoot, we don't need like our old manifesto from 2009 about like why we started all this and why open source is really important to us. And it made me realize we definitely do because, uh, it's still relevant and it's, Totally. Like the reasons that we started this, I mean, the answers were basically yes. Like we get issues and bug reports from people who need to use the font. You know, we have dozens of emails of people being like, hey, I really want to use it in this language, but you guys are missing these characters. Um, There have been literal issue reports on GitHub saying like, uh, hey, this thing seems off. This thing could be tweaked. And even better than that, there have been people who have, like, forked the fonts and made even more fonts out of it. There's, like, uh, you know, there's there's more expanded versions that we kind of need to pull back into the league to make sure everybody has. But the fact that everybody mm-hmm. – that not everybody, but, you know, a handful of people have made versions with more weights and more styles – uh, mm-hmm. independent of the original designer is just so awesome. Like that is open source to the max. Yes. And it, so it good. couldn't exist oh, it if so it well. weren't f- for open source. Exactly. Um, and I feel like we've actually had a lot of, we've been talking a lot about open source maybe because we've been encountering a lot of open source font lists and a lot of open source fonts lately. But like, again, like malleability, I just keep on going back to, that just the flexibility and ways to transform and learn from open source fonts, that opportunity is huge. Mm. So, I mean, besides that, what actually is really interesting is once I responded, uh, he followed up later today saying he's running a course at MICA, <laughs> which is a school, um, <laughs> On the topic of open source graphic design, like he's teaching a class on that at an accredited college. And he so wanted cool. to find out like some of the info and, and reasoning behind people who cared about open source in design. And so like he, he so good. kind of responded to 
some of the answers about why open source is important for licensing and how that's been really mm-hmm. valuable for his students. Um, mm-hmm. And kind of responded to the idea of the community helping and how uh, like that, that is an amazing tool, both for students and for anybody who wants to learn. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and just the fact that you can use it, you know, like that was a lot of the motivation as well as we needed fonts yeah. that we could use. Uh, you know, the league kind of started when web fonts were not really a thing yet, which is crazy. You know, mm-hmm. this junk moves so fast that we all forget that, you know, we're like, ah, does it have a web version now? How much does that cost? And at the time, uh, that wasn't a thing. Like literally maybe a, a month or two months before we started the league was when Chrome decided that it was okay to use more than the dozen fonts that everybody has on their computer. Yeah. And and that's huge. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I thought this was a really cool conversation that was happening on Twitter. And yes, we were talking, you know, we can't promise, but I would really love to talk to this guy just to hear his yes. perspective on this. I'd love that. That'd so be we'll so see if we can set that up. That'd be fun. So good. So many great questions. And I mean, just also teaching students about it. Like when I was in school, no one was kind of telling me any of that sort of stuff. It's kind of things you have to find on your own or you have to find a word of mouth to actually have a professor trying to kind of help you navigate that world. So helpful. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really excited about that idea. (laughs) Plus, you know, I almost went to Micah. But I just couldn't justify it. Oh, my it. God. You would have been Micah at Micah. Yeah. It just it felt wrong. And I couldn't do your it. Your name would rhyme with Pika. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You remember the first time we met, I tried to make sure I pronounced your name right. And I said, oh, just like Pika. <laughs> the obsolete measuring tool of InDesign. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember that, but that's really funny. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> Good times. Um <laughs> So well, I guess that's that's uh, a whole bunch of links for this week. We went a little longer than we usually do, but it was fun. So Once I, again, high-quality links from yeah. the past two weeks. Not even sorry. Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> exactly. And we ended on such a lovely note. So you will get to check out all of these links in the newsletter. Yes. Um, and we're going to fix the podcast website so that you can click on the links and see them next to where you're playing the podcast if you're playing it on the website and if not you know check your email that was great feedback i got from my friend cassie thanks cassie if you're listening that was really helpful to hear that our links were broken and we should fix them so if anyone else has wonderful things to say please let us know we did get a tweet about a typo on the homepage, so i'm going to fix that while i'm at it so thank you yeah thanks for having our back everyone (laughs) all right uh super fun and we will see you all next week (laughs) 